Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head coming to you from Rochester here in the UK. And my regular podcast inspiring partner, Mr. Chimak Karsandu, not available uh, for this week's show. We had a bit of a, a scheduling issue this week. Uh, we're, we're recording this a little bit later in the week due to uh, a few few bits and pieces that needed sorting at this end. So uh, apologies for the delay in getting this week's episode out. It's, uh, it's just me at the helm this week. We will be back, however, next week. So uh, fear not, we will be back next week with a full and uh, fat preview for UFC 267 as the Octagon heads back to Abu Dhabi and Fight Island and uh, a huge light heavyweight title fight at the top of that card. But before that, let's unpack what happened this past weekend and throw forward to what's going to happen this weekend. And as we mentioned on last week's show, it was a doubleheader weekender for us here with the UFC and Bellator both in action on Saturday night. Uh, UFC went early with, uh, well, most of their fight cards actually in October have been pretty early uh, with their start times, which has been great for us lot on this side of the pond. I can't lie. This is this is the stuff of dreams, being able to actually watch an event and then go to bed at a decent hour. I couldn't do that because I had to cover Bellator for the BBC afterwards, but um, it just meant that we had a really good pack night of fights and there plenty to talk about as well. And none more so than the main event, in the UFC Fight Night 195 card, Norma Dumont beating Aspen Ladd. Now, for those who remember, Aspen Ladd had, uh, had had to pull out of her fight with Macy Chasson a week or two earlier. Uh, problems during the weight cut, so she pulled out of the fight on medical grounds. She was then bumped up to, to, uh, to featherweight, 145 pounds, and given a main event spot, short notice against Norma Dumont. And... Uh, I think most people were expecting Aspen to hit weight with ease, go in there and uh, put on a really big performance against Norma Dumont. That didn't happen. The not the, uh, the Aspen lab we saw in the cage on, on Saturday night was not the Aspen lab that we're used to seeing. The intensity wasn't really there. She was very timid, which is not like her. She's normally pretty ballsy, comes forward and imposes her will on, on her, on her opponents. Didn't really happen against Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont basically stuck and moved away to a unanimous decision win, 49-46, 49-46, and 48-47 were the uh, the scorecards after the five-round main event. And Aspen never really got started. She really didn't. And the big talking point coming out of this was the cornering in the Aspen lag corner. Some really strong, strong words in the corner from Jim West. Uh, in Lad's Corner. I'm sure you will have seen it. It's been all over social media. It was something that was a lot was made of it during the fight. And it received uh, a, a bit of criticism from some quarters. Uh, I know Misha Tate didn't like what she saw and what she heard. Uh, and uh, it was a bit of a polarizing topic. And West himself came out on social media and, and apologized um, for perhaps being a little bit too strong. I'll be honest with you, I don't think he needed to apologize. Um, no one knows how to get the best out of Aspen more than Jim West does. And you only have to look back to her previous fight against Yana Kunitskaya, where she wasn't quite doing what she needed to do in order to get that win. She got what could best be described as a bollocking in the corner. And straight straight away, she came flying out the corner for the, the, the very next round, dropped Kunitskaya with a huge punch and finished the fight on the mat. That was what they were aiming for again. They needed to sort of snap her out of this almost sleepwalking through the fight. 
and it just didn't happen. And you could see that I think BT Sport put out a great video, uh, just basically giving a timeline of, of Jim West's cornering during that fight. And you can see that as the fight went along, he started to become more and more frustrated because his fighter wasn't doing what they had prepared to do and wasn't following following up on his his uh, instructions, either pre-fight and mid-fight. So um, you could see him getting more and more frustrated, and he was he was explaining that frustration in in strong terms in the corner. Was he out of order? I don't think he was. I thought he was he was strong. And this is the thing: when you're in sports coaching, different athletes need different stimuli in order to get the best out of them. Some some need a, an arm around them and a little bit of little bit of coddling, a little bit of um, gentle encouragement whereas others just need to kick up the ass and clearly based on the previous fight jim west uh of the view that aspen needed to kick up the backside and uh she got one in her previous fight and reacted to it in the perfect manner she got a similar kick up the backside in this in this in this particular fight and for whatever reason she just wasn't able to really follow up on the game plan and 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 do what we've seen her do so many times in the Octagon. So she ended up losing out on that one. And uh, the fact that all the talk afterwards was about the cornering, uh, in some ways, could be considered a bit of a positive for the Aspen lad camp because people aren't so much talking about her performance because it wasn't her best performance. We know that that wasn't the real Aspen lad. And I'm sure that the next time we see her in a cage, we're going to see a really strong dominating performance from her. The big question, of course, is will that performance come at 135 or 145 pounds? Because no matter which way you look at it, if you're Aspen Ladd and you want to win a world title, you've got to go through Amanda Nunes to do it. And uh, you're right at the top of the tree in the rankings when it comes to the bantamweight division, I think second or third in the bantamweight rankings. And there are no featherweight rankings. So, Basically, you're one big win away from getting a title shot at 145 pounds anyway. And because she's ranked so highly at 35, it basically means she's got options. And if I was Aspen Lad, I'd be looking at fighting at 45. The only thing to consider really is how much of an additional uh, power and cardio advantage are you conceding to the champion by fighting at 45? Because Amanda Nunes is a pretty big 135 pound fighter herself. So it's a case of, how much are you losing by trying to get yourself down to 35? And it's 35, not 36 as well, of course, because it's a title fight. Or do you fight at the weight you're more comfortable at physically, which would make sense in most cases, but also realize that your opponent is also getting those same benefits as well. So it's a tough one. If it were me uh, in Aspen's position, I would probably lean towards competing at featherweight. I think you go in there and get a big win at 45 next time. I think you know you're 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 right in there in the mix again, and uh, a title fight might not be too far away. But um, that certainly wasn't her best night, and I'm sure we will see much much better from Aspen Lad in the days. Well, say the days to come, in the weeks and months to come. Uh, as for Norma Dumont, she could well be in for a title shot at 45. You know, they might ask her to do one more fight just to help build her reputation a little bit. She's not necessarily a household name, uh, but then who is at 45? There aren't you know, there aren't enough fighters to even justify having a ranking sheet. So um, maybe Norma Dumont will need one more before Amanda Nunes can be tempted to actually defend that 45 pound strap uh, next time out. Uh, obviously she's, she, she's got a, a bantamweight title fight coming up in the not too distant future herself. So interesting to see how all that goes, but a big win for Norma Dumont 
Uh, maybe not the most spectacular win of her career, but arguably the biggest and most important so far. So all props to her for fighting a very smart fight, sticking to her game plan, doing what she needed to do, picking up that unanimous decision win. Um, aside from that main event, it was really a, a story of the two golden oldies on that fight card. Andrew Arlovsky, former UFC heavyweight champion, defeating Carlos Felipe, who I think many people had picked to go in there and overwhelm Arlovsky with his striking output. Arlovsky was having none of it and uh, put in a really a really smart performance to, to claim unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board against Felipe and uh, showing that, okay, he may not be quite at world championship level right now, but he's not that far off. You know, uh, you sort of look a few rungs down from the heavyweight championship level. And if you can get past Andrei Arlovsky, you're there or thereabouts for a contender fight. And uh, Carlos Felipe, we found out on Saturday night, not quite there yet because Arlovsky uh, still has plenty of gas in the tank and uh, dropping his, his, his favorite catchphrase. I'm like Nike, just do it. And uh, even saying, I know I'm not supposed to talk about Nike, but, and then, and then he talks about Nike again, which was great. So uh, if Nike aren't sponsoring that man, they need to do something about it because uh, the pitbull has been around forever. And he's even putting in appearances in the, uh, the AEW wrestling ring as some hide muscle for, for Dan Lambert and his rents. Uh, the ATT boss um, doing some doing some old school heel promotional business in uh, in AEW and even Junior dos Santos is actually getting in there and competing for a bit, which uh, which is quite interesting to see. But maybe we'll talk about that with Sandu. He's, a, he's more of a pro wrestling mark than I am, so maybe we'll talk about that uh, on uh, on a future episode of the show. But talks about the Golden Oldies, and I say that as a Golden Oldie myself. I'm 45 years of age, so these guys are are younger than me. So, uh, you know, they're not that old, but MMA MMA terms, they're knocking on a bit. Jim Miller, the evergreen Jim Miller, as I think I referred to him uh, in in, uh, in one of my reports at the weekend, getting a knockout win against Eric Gonzalez, second round KO. Uh, looked like he was in a bit of trouble in the first round. Gonzalez clipped him and it looked like things might be getting a bit tricky for, for Jim Miller, but he bounced back superbly. 14 seconds into round two, bang, Lights out, knockout win, and uh, superb performance from him. Extending records, setting records, and it was an interesting, interesting one. Is Jim Miller worthy of a spot in the UFC Hall of Fame when he eventually calls time on his career? Do you know what? I think he is. I think he is. He might not have reached the highest heights in terms of individual achievement in the UFC octagon. He hasn't won a championship belt. Um but he has set some records in terms of his longevity. He's racking up the wins. He's racking up the finishes. And uh, he has been a fighter who has just spanned the generations. He fought at UFC 100. He fought at UFC 200. He is now targeting UFC 300. What an incredible achievement that would be. And what a way to uh, to, to sort of ride out his career. Final fight, potentially of his MMA career could be a fight at UFC 300. And I hope the UFC are on board with this idea. And I hope that he stays healthy enough to make that happen because Jim Miller fighting at UFC 100, 200 and 300, you know, that's, that's something that I think we'll, we'll struggle to see repeated. Um, even though we are getting more events these days, we're still only getting one pay-per-view a month. So, you know, that's a pretty sizable uh, career. And uh, yeah, it would be it would be a fitting send off for, you know, the uh, one of the longest serving UFC fighters 
in the company's history. Big win for him on Saturday night. From the for, uh, from the old to the young, Manon Fioro, who uh, is making some waves in the UFC women's flyweight division, looking absolutely outstanding against Mayra Buena Silva. Unanimous decision win, 30-26, 30-27, she, She's got the output. She's got the cardio. You get anywhere in, in range. You're eating a jab. You're eating a side kick. You're eating a leg kick. You you just do not get a moment's peace against, against a French woman. She just waits for you to get in range and then pow, hits you. And she's got that key eye whenever she, whenever she throws. So you know she's throwing and you still can't do much about it. I think eventually it's going to take somebody with an iron chin and someone who doesn't care about catching a leg or a knee in the face uh, to actually beat her because it's going to require someone to walk through some stuff and wrestle her to the ground and see what she's got off her back. Because in a stand-up, she's almost almost impossible to deal with because she's, she's got that incredible cardio, she's got that incredible pace, and she throws a lot of strikes. And, uh, I mean, a fight with someone like Caitlin Chukagian would be a very interesting fight because Chukagian has been up there in the rankings and has been a title title contender in the past and he's still right up there she's a volume striker as well she works very well uh slightly different striking style but maybe one day we'll see those two in there together and that'll be that'll be a high striking output fight and it'll be very interesting to see whose striking style will uh will prevail because i think manon fioro is is right there now i think you know she's she's beaten uh mara buena silva i think she's only going to face someone uh, at the very sharp end of the division now. I think this is the time for her to get the push. And uh, yeah, a dominant, dominant win for her uh, on, on Saturday night. And uh, the final fight on that main card, Nate the Train, Landwehr defeating Ludovic Klein, third round submission, Anaconda Choke. Strong performance from him. Klein, obviously, you know, a, a lot was thought about him headed into this. He got a spectacular knockout last time we saw him. Landwehr goes in there and uh, lives up to his name, just sort of, runs through him like a train. So great performance from Nate Langway. Good fight that. And uh, it was interesting to see how that one would play out stylistically. And it was, it was Langway who just proved a little bit too strong. Uh, before I roll on from this event, can't go any further without mentioning one of my own fellow Brit, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. First time we've seen him in the cage since 2019. I think it was November of 2019. He's been away for quite some time. Um, he was back and they gave him an absolute nightmare of an opponent. Ramazan Emiev is one of those fighters who is just so hard to look good against. So, so hard to look good against. Yet he went in there, put on a great performance, went toe to toe. When it got, came to the scorecards, it was a coin flip. I thought it was a coin flip, coin flip fight. I won't lie to you, though. When the third judge awarded it 30-27, my gut told me they were going to give it to Amiev, but they didn't. They gave it to Danny Roberts. Absolutely delighted for him. Great win for him. He is now back up and running, and I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes next because that's back-to-back wins for him. He's beaten a guy that nobody really wants to fight, and now it's onwards and upwards at £170 for Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. After UFC Fight Night, we had Bellator 268. It was a late night for me. I was on BBC Sport Duty covering this, doing a report for this. And it was all around the light heavyweight Grand Prix, the $1 million light heavyweight Grand Prix. Vadim Nemkov was in the main event against replacement opponent Julius and, and Glitchkas. I'm never going to get his name right. 
But um, yeah, he stepped in on short notice to replace Anthony Rumble Johnson. We send Rumble our very best wishes. He's battling some some health issues at the moment. Uh, sending you all our very best from over here on this side of the Pond Rumble. Hopefully we see you back fit, firing, healthy, and uh, hopefully in the cage uh, as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, wishing you all the very best. But with him out and Glitchcast steps in and... Uh, it was it was really sold to us as almost like a rocky movie of a fight. You know, few people gave him much of a chance against Vadim Nemkov. But first round, and Glitchkas drops the champion with a great shot. And he was like, Wow, is is the shock on? Are we gonna get the rocky story? The answer was no, no, we weren't. And Vadim Nemkov picked himself up and then proceeded to just dominate the fight. Completely dominated the fight. Um, realized that he could walk through uh, the Lithuanian strikes and land bigger shots himself. And when he decided to take the take the fight to the mat, it was one-way traffic. And eventually, that paid off for him in round four. He finally, after a load of armbar attempts or attempts to get towards an armbar, he eventually turned the tables on the Anglitschkas and switched gears, swapped it for a Kimura, got the tap, 425, round four. He retains his light heavyweight title and moves into the final, where he will take on Corey Overtime Anderson. Again, who took on Ryan Bader and finished him in 51 seconds. I don't know how many people saw that one coming. I think most people would have assumed that if Anderson was going to get the win, it might have been more a scorecard situation. It might have been more, more of a ground out kind of fight. Not so. Corey Anderson drops Ryan Bader early and just swarms him and does not let Bader get up. Hammers him with strikes. Bader's trying to scramble his way into a safer position. Anderson is all over him and uh, just would not let Bader have any breathing room at all and just kept those punches coming in until eventually it was waved off just 51 seconds into the fight. So that's the heavyweight champion, former light heavyweight champion, getting absolutely smoked by Corey Anderson. Now moves into the final to take on Vadim Nemkov. And Anderson, who I think a lot of people, you know, they know he's good. But do we know just how good he is? He's just gone through there and run through Ryan Bader with relative ease. Now he's got Vadim Nemkov, who looks bulletproof. If he goes in and beats Nemkov, is you know, I mean, Corey Anderson needs more respect on his name anyway. Um, but if he goes in, goes in and beats Nemkov and becomes a champion, then you know, people really do need to start, you know, giving this man his flowers because he is he is a legit world class light heavyweight. You know, the light the uh, the run in the UFC didn't go entirely his way. He made a smart business move by moving from the UFC to Bellator, testing free agency, and it's worked out for him. Uh, sounds like he's he's doing much, much better financially. He's also getting the uh, the run towards championship level, which perhaps he, he was frustrated he didn't really get at the UFC. And uh, being involved in a tournament, it's the ultimate meritocracy, isn't it? If you can win a tournament and that, that championship belt is attached to the tournament, you get your just desserts. You get the belt. You you leave with a million dollar check and a championship belt. He's one win away from doing just that. It'll be Anderson versus Nemkov in the light heavyweight final. That was the light heavyweight Grand Prix. That was at the sharp end of the card. Big fight at 155 pounds also on that main card. Former champion Brent Primus taking on former UFC champion Benson Henderson in a fight that both men had said leading in should have been for the Bellator light, lightweight title. It wasn't because uh, Patricio Pitbull has relinquished the belt. 
in order that his brother Patriki can fight for the belt against Peter Queeley in a rematch which we will see on November the 5th at the Three Arena in Dublin at Bellator 270. That'll be an absolute banger. The atmosphere for that fight will be insane. Um, if you've never been to the Three Arena and you have the chance to go and watch an MMA event there, particularly if it's a big one like a UFC or a Bellator, get there. It's one of the most incredible atmospheres you'll experience at a sporting event. Those uh, Dublin fans are just off the chain. And uh, for an Irishman fighting for the title, it's going to be next level. So that's coming up in uh, just, just a few weeks' time. But it's meant that Brent Primus versus Benson Henderson was a de facto number one contender fight to determine the person who will challenge that new champion who will be crowned in Dublin in a couple of weeks' time. And it was Brent Primus who got the job done. Benson Henderson looking pretty aggressive on the feet, really, really loading up with the leg kicks in particular. But he just didn't have an answer to Primus on the ground. And Primus, whenever he got the fight to the mat, was really chasing the submissions really, really hard. And Henderson was really at the limit just to fend him off and, and survive the rounds. And uh, he did a great job of doing that. Got the fight to the scorecards. But it was Primus. It was, you know, there was very little doubt that it was going to be the former champion, Brent Primus, who picked up the decision. And so it was 29-28, 30-27, Other fight on that main card uh, was a featherweight fight. Henry Corrales, who dabbled with a bit of bantamweight, hadn't gone so well for him, moving back up to 45, which is definitely his best weight class. Got a unanimous decision over Vladislav Parabchenko, 30-27s across the board. Good performance from him. We will see more from him in the not-too-distant. And uh, the other one to mention from that uh, prelim card, Carl Albrechtson from Sweden getting the win over Dovletshan Yagshimuridov, usual spelling for anyone out there. 29-28 uh, across the board. He holds a win over the champ, Vadim Nemkov. So if Albrechtson can keep himself in, the, in that sort of position, and if Nemkov wins the tournament, Albrechtson may well find himself as the first title defense for Nemkov post-Grand Prix tournament. So... I think he might need one more just to keep keep himself right in that conversation. Maybe have him on the same card as the uh, has the light as as the light heavyweight Grand Prix final. You never know; they might even set him up as a potential uh, alternate in the event of something happening to Nemkov or Anderson during fight week. But it would make sense to stick him on that fight card, put him in there with somebody decent, maybe somebody who was eliminated from that Grand Prix, give him a chance to get another statement victory. And then that puts him next in line, potentially, to face Nemkov. He already has a win uh, over Victor Nemkov as well. So there are options there for him to go in there and uh, get the job done. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. He beat Vadim Nemkov back at Rising 1 in April 2016. That's how long ago he beat him. And uh, he's since been in there with Victor Nemkov at Bellator 257 in April this year. And he got a unanimous decision against him he's currently riding a four fight win streak uh his only defeat in his last eight fights has come to phil davis prior to that it was uh jury prohaska so he's only getting beat by the very top guys and uh, if he can go in there and defeat vadim nemkov then wow that would be quite a story for for carl albrechtson he got a good win on uh, on saturday night that's pretty much everything from that that weekend those two events and uh, let's take a look forward at what's going to happen next week. All right, coming up this weekend, it's another double header. We've got the UFC and we've got Bellator. I think we may well be on early doors again with the UFC. 
And the main event of this should be an absolute war. Paolo Costa versus Marvin Vittori was always going to be an absolute banger, but there's been more intrigue. As I said to you at the start of the show, we're recording this a little bit later in the week. And what that's meant is we've got more information about this fight and it's all gone a little bit weird during fight week. Paolo Costa has arrived at media day and has told the assembled media that he weighs 211 pounds ahead of a 186 pound non-title fight at middleweight. He's turned around and said, I'm not going to make 186 pounds. Maybe we can do a catch weight. He's done that with like three days to go. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. Marvin Vittori um, has been laughing the whole thing off. Paolo Costa is saying, the only reason this fight won't happen is if Vittori doesn't want to face me, which is a bit cheeky given that you're the one turning up not even remotely close to your weight class. But there you go. Vittori, I don't think, cares too much. I think he just wants to get in there and fight. And uh, it sounds very much as, as as we're recording this that a catch weight has been agreed for the pair of them to compete at 195 pounds. I would still be watching the weigh-ins like a hawk for this one because I wouldn't be that surprised if Paolo Costa doesn't make 195 pounds. So we will see because he's still got to lose a fair few, a fair few pounds to make sure he makes 195. Um, and uh, the thing here is. Costa's still got to make a weight cut. Marvin Vittori probably only has a few pounds to lose, if any, um, as I record this. So I think he'll be sitting pretty. He'll probably be feeling quite good about the fact he hasn't got to go through any kind of weight cut. He's a chunky middleweight himself. Um, but the other, th- you know, the other side to this, of course, is I would imagine Marvin Vittori's pay packet is about to get a little bit bigger for fight night. If you miss weight, you typically have to surrender a, a portion of your purse to the opposition normally it's 20 percent, but smart fighters with good management will quite often look to push for a little bit more than that and we've seen up to 40 percent uh move across from uh, the offending fighter to the uh the fighter who has, has done their job and made weight so we'll see how this one goes because costa has basically come in early doors and said i'm not making weight for this fight so depending on how vittori and his management approach this and or have approached this because it sounds like a deal might have been done already um I would imagine that the pot has been sweetened for the Italian dream who may well be taking home a few extra bucks and Paolo Costa may have had to just sort of thin out his pay packet. He might not have lost too much extra weight on the scale. He may be losing a little bit of extra weight from his pay packet this weekend, but it's a big fight for the 185 pound division, particularly now if you're Marvin Vittori, you go in there and you beat Paolo Costa, you've got a strong case to uh, to be getting back in there for a trilogy fight with uh, Israel Adesanya. But um, the question mark is, if Paolo Costa goes and wins, what case does he have? Especially if you, you know, if you go in and you win a 195-pound fight, you turned up for a, a 186-pound fight early on and said, not going to make that weight. How can you legitimately lay claim to being a contender? I think, I think it might be time, because he is a big boy for 185 pounds. It might be time for uh, for Paolo Costa to consider moving up to 205 and making that his home. Paolo Costa at 205 could be an absolute monster uh without the need for that massive weight cut. He could be a real machine. He's got great he's got great cardio. He hits like a truck and uh I think I think he's got the fighting style that would really mesh quite well with some of those fighters at 205 pounds and I think it wouldn't take him long to become a contender in that division. So that might be what we see next. It'll be very interesting to get Dana White's position on that as things progress, probably in the post-fight press conference on Saturday night 
uh, just, just to see how all of that played out because it's been very bizarre over the course of the last few days. The good news is, as things stand, that main event is intact. Palo Costa Marvin Vittori will happen, and I'm here for it. It's going to be a great fight. Co-main event, we'll see Grant Dawson and Rick Glenn at lightweight. Jessica Rose Clark and Justin Edwards are in action at women's bantamweight. Alex Caceres, Sungwoo Choi is on the main card. Dwight Grant versus Francisco Chinaldo, who I'm literally just going to check as I talk to you. He's 43 years of age. He's 43 years of age. I feel like he's older than that. He seems to have been around forever. And uh, he looks like someone who's been around forever, but he's still built like an absolute truck, fighting at 170 pounds. And uh, the light heavyweight bout between Nikolai Nagumaranu versus Ike Villanueva will kick off that main card. But once again, we talked about Danny Roberts this past weekend. We have interest on the prelims. So if you're on my side of the pond here in the UK, make sure you are on board with the prelims nice and early. The uh, the fourth fight of the night, Karma Worthy takes on the black country banger Jai Herbert. That has got fireworks written all over it at 155 pounds. Karma Worthy has got some serious power. Jai Herbert has got superb striking and uh, he's coming back with a point to prove. So that could be an absolute war. And then uh, second from the top of the preliminary card, David Anama will take on Mason the Dragon Jones. Mason Jones, that man is never in a boring fight, whether he wins them or, or he loses them, uh, and he's won almost all of them. Uh, he is in absolute barn burner fights. He is must-see TV. Um, if, you, if for any reason you haven't seen a Mason Jones fight, get on Fight Pass, watch his fights for Cage Warriors, watch the fights he's had in the UFC so far, and see how he gets on on Saturday night. I guarantee you he will deliver one of the most exciting performances of the night because with his fighting style, it's impossible not to. Uh, I understand that with my reputation, that's probably just put the mockers on that fight. But fingers crossed that Mason Jones, he goes in there and uh, and, and picks up that win against uh, David uh, Anama in uh, his lightweight fight, which is second from top of the uh, preliminary card order as I'm looking at it right now. Now, that's the UFC card. We also have Bellator 269 is coming to us from Moscow, Russia. The VTB Arena is playing host to the most beloved champion in Russian MMA. And I'm not talking about Khabib the Magomedov. Beloved though he is, the hardest of hardcore fans know that the real god of Russian MMA is Fedor Emelianenko, the last emperor, somehow still going and still main eventing cards and looking like the real deal. He's taking on Timothy Johnson, Tim Johnson, who is right up there. He might not be the most fashionable name. He knows that. We know that. But what he is, is one of the top two or three heavyweights just below champion, uh, just below the champ at the highest weight class in Bellator. If Fedor beats Tim Johnson this weekend, make no mistake, he will get a shot at the title. There is absolutely no way that he will not be offered a shot of the belt if he beats Tim Johnson. If he loses to, uh, to Tim Johnson, then he will get another fight. That's not Tim Johnson for as good as he is. And as, as much respect as I have for him, Tim Johnson is not the guy you end your career fighting because that's not the big superstar fight. And he knows that as well as I do. And Fedor knows that as well. Fedor has, has looked at the situation. Tim Johnson, this is, this is his last chance to get a crack at the Bellator heavyweight title. If he goes in there, beats Tim Johnson, he will he will be back in there once again 
for a shot at the Bellator title. So could we see uh, a fairy tale end into his career? We will find out a lot more about that on Saturday night. If he beats Tim Johnson, count on it. He's getting a title shot. And uh, interestingly, his fellow countryman, former world champion for Bellator, Vitaly Minikov, who's been away for a while, he's back and he's taken on Saeed Soma in the co-main event. For me, while he was champion, he was clearly, clearly the best heavyweight in Bellator. There was, I didn't, didn't even think there was a good close second place. So it'll be very interesting to see how he looks on his way back. Um, he's been away with Fight Nights Global. He's uh, he had a he was a champion with Bellator. They had some sort of issue, contractual issue. He then departed the promotion and has had seven fights with Fight Nights Global. He's won all seven of them inside the distance. Uh, three submissions and four knockouts. This is a man in form. He bounced back uh, into the Bellator cage, lost a really bad fight against Chet Congo. Bellator 216. It was a horrible fight to watch. Uh, Chet Congo got the unanimous decision in that fight, and that completely halted his momentum. That was back in 2019. He then bounced back, beat Tim Johnson, the aforementioned Tim Johnson, in August of 2019, first round knockout, but we haven't seen him since. Now he's back. He has an opportunity now to score another big win and put himself right back up there in with a shot of the championship at the Bellator heavyweight division. So very interesting to see how he looks. That's one of the fights that has been the most interested going into the weekend. Just see just how good uh, Vitaly Minikov looks. Uh, continuing the Russian theme, Usman Nurmagomedov taking on Patrick uh, Piatila. At 160 pound catch weight, uh, and uh, a guy who I've followed a little bit since his days in ACB, an absolute monster at 185 pounds. Anatoly Tokov, the former ACB champion, taking on Sheriff Davlat Muradov. That will kick off the main card on fight night. Uh, again, a few other fights to, to keep a note of on the uh, on the prelims. Darina Mazduk, who, if those of you remember, she fought for a Russian MMA promotion against like a 530 pound man and beat him. And uh, she's competing in a women's flyweight fight against Katarzyna Sadura. Bellator saw how viral that video went, signed her up. This is her debut. It'll be interesting to see how she gets on against somebody of the same size, weight and gender as her, as opposed to some enormous 530 pound man. So she's in action on the prelims. Also in action on the prelims is the pipe man Brian Moore taking on Nikita Mikhailov at bantamweight. He always brings it. That'll be well worth watching. And second fight of the, on, on the prelims is Aiden Lee versus Alexander Ossetrov at 145 pounds. Aiden looking to pick up a big win there and move himself up that up, up the bout order for the next fight and maybe get himself in there. Uh, with some of the bigger names again and uh, see how he can get on at 145 pounds, which is one of the most talent filled in the Bellator uh, MMA roster. So big win for him. Big things will be coming for Aiden Lee. So that is Bellator Moscow, uh, which is also Bellator 269, depending on which outlet you're looking at. Um, that will take place on Saturday. That will be live in the UK on BBC iPlayer, live stateside on Showtime. The UFC will be live in the UK on BT Sport. As per usual, it'll be live stateside on ESPN+. That is pretty much all I have for you on this week's episode of the show. Apologies, it's a little bit thrown together this week. Uh, lots of things being dealt with at this end, but 
we've got some big stuff coming your way. We have UFC 267 coming up next weekend. Glover Teixeira challenging Jan Blahovic for the undisputed light heavyweight title. We've got Peter Yan versus Corey Sanhagen for the interim UFC bantamweight title and a stacked fight card with the likes of Dan Hooker, Islam Makachev, Volkov versus Tybura, Li Jingliang versus Kamzat Chimaev, and Magomed Ankalaev, one of my favorite light heavyweights to watch right now, against Vulcan Ozdemir. That'll be a banger as well. Solid prelim card as well, including Makwan Amekani versus Lerone Murphy. That's a must-watch fight as well. So much to talk about on next week's show. Sandu and myself will be back behind the mic for that. Uh, and before I go, make sure that you uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Simon Head on Twitter, at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. Sandu, much more organized than me. He's Sandu MMA across all the various social media channels. He's dead easy to follow. Look at his follower count. He's got loads. Be another one if you're not already. Um, the Brit Pack MMA is our Twitter handle. And uh, if you want to find out more about the show, go to thebritpackmma.com. You'll get our most recent show in YouTube form. You can go to our Substack where you can subscribe to receive the audio version of our podcast directly to your inbox the minute it goes live. And uh, all of our social media handles are there as well. And finally, if you're uh, an Apple subscriber, an Apple podcast subscriber, take a moment for us. Get on there. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, big us up a little bit. That'll help us get up the uh, the podcast rankings all helps with the algorithm more people get to see us and hopefully the more people get to see our podcast and listen to the podcast we can start to grow this thing a little bit video is coming sandu is building a studio i'm just trying to get the crap out of my office so it looks presentable uh, and uh, in the not too distant future we will have a video version of the brit pack moving forward and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun and we can start doing a few different things but uh, for everybody who's made it to the very end of this show thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the brit pack Enjoy the fights this weekend, and myself and Sandy will be back next week. Let's talk about it all. Yeah.